Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Film Club Podcast, where every week we find ourselves a movie to watch and talk about and try to stay on topic. And this month, well, this week, we, we call it an audible. We're not watching Amityville Horror. Yeah, we kind of made a mistake. We added an extra week onto July. Yeah, and also Amityville Horror was not... Uh, wasn't the highest what? priority on our list. Yeah, yeah. A, a, a mini review. Definitely, definitely a 70s movie that's uh, not not nearly as scary as it... It was alright. ...as reputation proceeds. Yeah, not scary at all. But the movie we're talking about this week... Well, I think before we drop the movie, we gotta tell everybody that we're gonna do a franchise this month. We are, just like we've already done with Batman and Scream. We're gonna do one of my favorite franchises... One that starts with an absolute masterpiece and then degrades into some of the greatest schlock ever put to screen. Near and dear to your heart. It is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yay! Yay! (laughs) Thanks, miss. (laughs) Yes, yes. Fun for the whole family. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, released in 1974. Directed by Toby Hooper, starring Marilyn Burns... And Gunnar Hansen as the titular Leatherface. And Gunnar Hansen is so amazing in this movie. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because he wasn't an actor. Um, I believe he was a poet or a writer. He was like in... Um, really? Yeah, he was in like the English department at the University of Texas. And I believe what how legend goes is that he saw an ad for this and they said they would pay whoever it was... To be in a movie. And he was like, okay, whatever, I'll give it a shot. You know, I'm an artsy guy. Yeah. And he walked in and Toby Hooper was like, yeah, you're you're absolutely perfect for the role. Like, you've, you've nailed the audition. And after he signed the contract, you know, Gunnar Hansen asked, what, what made you pick me? And Toby Hooper, being honest, was, you walked in and you filled up the door. Because he was six foot four and 320 pounds. He was a mountain of a human being. And they still put him in um, three inch heels. heels. So he was six foot six, 300 and something pounds of enormous chain wielding anger. And also he did a really great performance because he actually studied for the role and most of the characterization of Leatherface in this, that's all him. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think just, you know, go with Gunnar Hansen and how amazing he was in this role. Mm-hmm. The fact that even in three-inch heels, he was still able to outrun his castmates. Yes, actually, because there's a part in the movie where the character Sally, played by uh, Marilyn Burns, she's running away from Leatherface through the brush and the branches and all this other stuff. But because, again, Gunnar Hansen was very large, long strides, and rather athletic for, for a big guy, Yeah, he was... In a dead sprint, he could have caught her, like, no problem. So, Toby Hooper was like, just just swing the chainsaw around. Just slow yourself down somehow. So, he would just kind of, like... Cut branches. S- yeah, he would just stop and, like, chop branches and look look menacing, which isn't hard to do when you're wearing, you know, a leather face. And, you know, running around with a chainsaw in your hand. You know, it, it's pretty easy to do. Uh, also, that's... Uh, another thing about that sequence, when he's running around and swinging the chainsaw in the, in the woods... Did you know that uh, he fell and the chainsaw went up in the air and almost landed up back yes, on him? Yes, yeah, I, I did read about that. That's terrifying. I mean, let alone running with a chainsaw at any time, you know, you could fall down, you could trip, you could hurt yourself, but 
at night in the forest or the woods. Wearing a mask that pretty much destroys your peripheral vision. And in three-inch heels. Yeah. Yeah, and the other thing is, like, the chainsaw was not doctored. That's something I people might think about no, the that, movie. No, that was a real chainsaw. They It wasn't even, like, something they got from a prop department or, like, somebody owned. They borrowed the chainsaw from some guy that Toby Hooper knew. And he said, yeah, you can take it, just bring it back to me, you know, at the end of the shoe, because mm-hmm. I need it for my shed. So they couldn't, like, modify it in any way, because it was, like, a, somebody's actual, like, yeah. chainsaw they used for work. So the blades on it were all real. When one of the actors is laying on the on a table, I believe... It's Kirk, right? Kirk, yeah. He's laying on the table, and that's, like, the actual actor. And Gunnar Hansen is like, alright, I'm gonna hold this about three inches above your head. As long as you don't move or flinch, you'll be fine. Yeah, but if you do, I might kill you. And you can see it in Gunnar Hansen. He's being very gentle when he's, you know, getting close to Kirk. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I knew it's a real chainsaw. And it's like, yeah, you want to make sure that you don't hurt either actor. But it's just like, okay, I have something in my hand that I could actually kill this guy with. And this isn't a dummy on the table. This is a real person. You, okay, there's also a shot. Talking about chainsaw safety. Yes. At the end of the movie, when... You know, Leatherface falls after he gets hit in the head with a wrench and the chainsaw lands on his leg mm-hmm. and you see all the meat coming out and sh- all that yeah. stuff. So fun fact, there's a real leg under there. Mm-hmm. They had a little like metal plate there and then some some little meat so it'll spew out. And Toby Hooper was like, that's the last shot of the movie. They're, you know, they yeah. asked, well, why? And he said, I'm not sure if it'll go through the plate. And if we chop his leg off, there's no one else we can get for the role. So that's the last shot of the movie. Mm-hmm. So Toby Hooper was absolutely totally okay with we got to get the shot if he loses a leg that's on him it'll be fine yikes yeah to call this a uh a low budget extravaganza would not would not do it justice this movie by all rights was a living hell to make oh absolutely i mean we'll get to the uh what was the shot we were talking about earlier oh our, okay the, which the film, one the shoot oh the shoot Okay, so there's a, a section of this movie where it was 36 hours of unbroken filming in a 120 degree house with rotting animal carcasses, yep. and it it was a uh, absolute hellscape. To to quote Edwin Neal, who won the Bronze Star of Valor in Vietnam, yeah, said that that was the worst experience he ever had in his life was filming this movie and that sequence in particular. And the rest of that quote was, "And people were trying to kill me in Vietnam, but this was still a hundred times worse." Yes, yes, it's gonna be great. But before we get there, what is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre about? Well, why don't you tell everybody? I would love to tell people. So the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is about a group of friends going to Texas to visit the grave of their grandfather. And on the way, they stumble across what appears to be this deserted house. And they discover that within inside this deserted house is a cannibalistic family looking to, well, take in wandering teenagers like themselves and eat them. And uh, comedy ensues. Yeah, there, there's also a lot more in there. There's a hitchhiker. There's a cook. There's you know, a swimming hole. A swimming hole, and which Coca Cola ain't, ain't there. And there's a lot of ass shots in this movie. Yeah, you can tell Toby Hooper's an ass man. Yeah. I, okay. Well, one of the most famous shots is that is that low angle dolly when that when um Pam walks up into the house mm-hmm. 
and it's granted it's like 90 it's like 90 percent her her ass yeah but it's so unsettling because the house just starts growing and looming over this girl as she begins to start shrinking in the frame there's like real artistry in this fucking splatter movie yeah I mean, I, I think that's probably my favorite shot of the movie. Mm-hmm. Not her ass. Not that. Are you, are you sure? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm positive. Okay, it's, it's a tie-up between that shot of when she's coming running out of the house and mm. he pulls her back in. That sells how scary Leatherface is. Oh, yeah. And it's, I mean, when you look up Texas Chainsaw, that's one of the most iconic stills that you have of him pulling her into the house. Mm-hmm. It's on t-shirts. It's on everything. But when you see it in action and just see the absolute terror on her face, which anybody that goes into a random person's house with the possibility of a cannibal pulling you into the house is just as iconic as him appearing in front of the Red Room for the very first time. Here's the craziest part about that, because so none of the actors met with Gunnar Hansen before they shot their scene. They they were all actually rather method about their approach. The five friends, they would only be with each other on set. And Gunnar Hansen, no one would talk to him or interact with him. Because they didn't want that, um, they didn't want to ruin the mystique. Yeah, it's, um, I think Scream took that from Texas Chainsaw Massacre where, Mm -hmm. uh, I think his name's Kenny, no, Ken Rogers or <laughs> Kenny Ken... Rogers, the gambler. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I can't think of what it is, but the the set of the voice of Ghostface. Mm-hmm. Nobody met with him. They made sure to keep him this kind of ominous presence, so that the actors would be, you know, terrified of getting these calls of, "I'm going to come after you. I'm going to get you." And I think that really worked in this film because he's already so menacing as a character, but to not be introduced to him, oh yeah, you know, that's really going to get you. Not really, you know, acting. That's just going to be reaction of, oh my god, this guy is coming after me. What do I do? Yeah, and the thing is, is so Pam, when she's running out of the house, and, you know, Leatherface comes up and grabs her, he just one-arms this grown woman and picks her up off her Mm -hmm. feet, and he's just no, like, no struggle, and just goes back and puts her on the meat hook. Yeah. And that is, like, so, like off-putting and terrifying terrifying because it's like this this beast of a human being can just do this and this grown woman has no recourse there is there's nothing she can do because i'm trying to think of the ages of our characters our non-cannibal characters in this film i'm assuming they're like in their 20s i would say so like they all strike me as like hippie like kind of hippie kids Kind Maybe of, but also, like 21, you know, 22. It's but Jerry, summertime. But Jerry throws me off because yeah. the actor that plays Jerry, um, Alan Danzinger, he looks so much older yeah. than the other people in the van, like the other five. Yeah. And I, I think he was the oldest person on the cast, I think. I know he's older than the hitchhiker, Edwin Neal, by a few years. But The hitchhiker, man. Oh, he's, okay. Do, he's do we scared. want to talk about the opening of this movie? Or, like, I guess, like, the lead-up, right? Yeah, I think we have to. So, the movie begins, and it has that, the iconic, you know, voiceover by John Larroquette. Yeah. Now, the movie you're about to watch is based on true events by the most strange and terrifying crime spree in the annals of American history, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And it's, you know, fucking off-putting. But what's really off-putting, what's really fucking crawls your skin, is when you have, like, 
the sound over black and it's like somebody digging up a grave Mm -hmm. and then it's the light bulb flashes and it's a dead body yeah and it just goes out another light bulb flash and it's another part of a dead body and it pulls out and it's so fucking weird and it's so creepy because everything's still juicy and then we have the two corpses that are on display and I was trying to figure it out. I mean, I have a decent sized TV, so I'm able to see what's on the TV. Mm-hmm. Were they sitting on a cross? A cross or like a, a you know, a spear, a spike or something? Uh, yes, they they okay. they were tied up and like mock crucified. Yeah, cuz I was like, huh, the way that they're kind of sitting there, I'm like it doesn't look like there's something behind them that they're kind of bracing against. Yeah, I. Th- it's really weird because there's a lot of stuff going on here where they're, where the cannibalistic Sawyer family—that's like Leatherface, the cook, the hitchhiker—they've like gotten really good at making furniture and like art pieces yeah. with with body parts and bones. You know, speaking of art pieces and bones, we actually saw a booth like that at Midsummer Scream this past weekend. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I guess for those who don't follow us on Instagram, we went to Midsummer Scream. It's the largest horror convention in California or in the world, I think. I think in the States, maybe the world, but definitely here in California. It's the biggest. It's our kickoff to Halloween the Halloween scene. season. And, I mean, tons of Leatherface uh, cosplays. Some really good ones that we saw this weekend. <laughs> I got I got to see one guy who I think he was supposed to be Leatherface, but... I think he might have just been half-assing it because he was just in... He was like casual Friday Leatherface. He was like Hawaiian shirt, like some shorts, and he just had the Leatherface mask on. Well, he was Leatherface on vacation. Yeah, he was walking around with a Mai Tai, too. I kind of kind of wanted to grab, grab We actually missed uh, on Sunday, because we only went for Saturday, but there was a Michael Myers that was like Sunday Michael Myers. So he showed up in his robe, in his slides, and his shorts, and a t-shirt, and his coffee mug. And was just wandering around the convention. I'm like, that's badass. But we did <laughs> the see... The memes. The memes. So many memes. But we also got to visit the Texas Chainsaw booth. Yeah, yeah. And I know some people are thinking, okay, it's a booth that sold, like, cheesy Texas Chainsaw merch. And, okay, it had some cheesy Chainsaw merch. But it also had a bunch of props from the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, some of the prosthetics that it survived. And, like, some original scripts and things like that. They um, had Because a... a little known fact... I think 99% of the props for this movie were burned on set. And the chainsaw was returned to the owner. Yeah, yeah, that that, that was the 1%. That was part yeah. of the 1% of the shit that survived. But they had, like, pieces of the house, um, pieces of the fence. That was on the other side of the booth. Mm-hmm. They had a setup for their, you know, leather face that would pop out of the red room. Yeah, to yeah. To take pictures. The butcher room. But it was really cool that they had uh, the face mask or the, the life mask of the grandpa yeah yeah so that's kind of interesting so the person that played the grandfather john duggan he was the youngest person on set Mm -hmm. and that he was a trooper he's the reason there was a 36 hour shoot because he could not not put that makeup on again those prosthetics were cheap they were just hard rubber and they were hot and they were so uncomfortable and he was wearing a wool suit right yeah so that's another thing about the costume in this film. Um, so I watched the film with the commentary track. So mm-hmm. I got to hear, you know, Toby Hooper, Gunnar Hansen, and uh, talk about 
you know, costume and the production stuff. Yeah. So, for all the teenagers, they had three sets of costumes for, for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. And they all got stolen. So, it went from three to one within, like, th- two or three weeks of filming. And with Gunnar Hansen playing Leatherface, he had one outfit. Yeah. So, and they couldn't, and everything was shot in continuity, and they could not replace it, and they could not clean it. Yeah. Mind you, they're filming in the hottest Texas summer on record. They are surrounded by real animal bones and animal carcasses, and that, you heard me right, every bone, either human or animal, is real. All the meat you see that came from an animal, that's real. real. All the nasty, dirty, grimy shit you see is real. There are slaughtered chickens in this movie, and them's real chickens. You know, that's why this movie looks so real. Because it was all fucking real, except the dead people. And that's what took me back to uh, Midsummer Scream, because apart from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre booth that we got to visit, there was a booth where they actually made, like, art installations from animal bones and... Uh, antlers and yeah i remember we turned a corner and you were like what the hell is that and then look and there's just this giant booth and it's just like elk horns yeah just lined up all up up around this booth making this giant archway and i'm like what the hell is that the windigo have it come to attack that's what i thought it was it was cool as hell but uh, okay in in this movie with all these, like, bone furnitures mm-hmm. and, like, leather, you know, human leather suits. I'm just saying, that is artisanal design. We, they, these people could probably sell their furniture in, in, like, um, what's that, what's that place you like to go to? With, like, the world market, the place that sells all the fancy furniture. Yeah, they're not gonna sell that at cost plus. Come oh, they on. could so no, sell. No, no. I'm just saying, you put a Louis Vuitton thing on the leather face mask, that would sell. Or, you know, put a Supreme logo on it. Okay, so, uh, wait, we're gonna write that down. We're gonna put a Supreme logo on the leather face mask, just right on his forehead. We just made this go from being a crime to being a $500, like, accessory piece. You know what I kind of regret not picking up this weekend? What? That purple Michael Myers mask. I told you you should have gotten it. I know, I But if you haven't gotten Midsummer Scream, give it a visit if you love Halloween horror movies, because, I mean, just being able to be immersed in that... And see, you know, truly some amazing costumes that people were able to craft, mm-hmm. let alone items that people were able to craft together. It's just like, wow, it's breathtaking. It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Uh, I mean, we did get to see a guy that was in cosplay as the final version of Leatherface when he's in the suit. Yeah, yeah. That's the classic image of Leatherface because that's him in the suit and he's got the chance on. He's running down the street, but. Mm-hmm. That's like the end of the movie. I think it's iconic because that's when you get the chainsaw dance at the end. But we're oh, yeah. we're skipping so far ahead. Oh, but yeah. the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Because after the, you know, bodies are at the cemetery, that's when the, the teenager, they're not teenagers, the, the, the college age youths yeah. arrive at the cemetery and they're like, hey, grandfather's here, yada yada. And they go and they look and mm-hmm. their grandfather's fine, but hey, since we're here, let's go visit Granddad's old ranch. We haven't been there in 10 years. Maybe maybe it'll still be up. We can spend the night and we'll, you know, go home tomorrow. Well, that's also part of, you know, kind of like, well, why are they going to the cemetery to see if their grandpa's still okay? It's because people are digging corpses out of their graves. Yes. There, there's even a PSA playing on the radio as the kids are driving in the, the van that, you know, 
someone's going in and they're removing body parts or people altogether or half of people. They're desecrating the corpses of all yeah. these people in Texas. And that, and that's like a thing, you know? Oh, somebody's like, might have dug up granddad. We got to go and check this out. Which, again, is a legitimate reason why, you know, these people would go. And I, I mean, Franklin and Sally make sense because they're, they're like family related. They're siblings. They're siblings and they're related to, you know, granddad. Yeah. And Jerry is Sally's boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And I figure, you know, Kirk and Pam came along for the ride. They're I, another couple. Yeah. And they didn't want to just, you know, three wheel it. So yeah. that makes sense. But after they leave the cemetery, that's when they pick up the hitchhiker. Reluctantly. Are you sure? I think one of them said... I mean, is he cute? We can pick up a cute hitchhiker. And then they're yeah. like, oh no, he's weird. Keep going. He's like, he's going to die out here. And then, you know, they pick him up. He's got blood on his face. And right away. Uh, see, that's a birthmark. Is it? I Okay. I don't know. Because it I looks, thought... to me, it looks a little wet. And they kept saying, you know, he's coming out of the slaughterhouse. So I'm thinking, oh, okay, you know, maybe that got on his face and he's one of the cannibals. So he doesn't care if he's got, you know, blood on his face. Well, it's weird because I think he has it on throughout the movie. I tried to see, but it was hard to tell because he moves around pretty fast. Yeah, he has a weird like presence about him because he's he's kind of jittery and he's like always looking around. And I don't know if the implication is that he's it, like mentally like not all there. Because they say the same thing for Leatherface, right? That he's... Um... Well, they, they make a point that he's, like, mentally disabled. Like, Leatherface, like, um, Toby Hooper makes a point that Leatherface, he never, like, learns to talk. He's, like, mm-hmm. mentally deficient. He's, like, he's, like, doing this because he's scared because people are, like, coming into his house and he doesn't know what's going on. So and he's, he's afraid of his family. Yeah, and he's afraid of his family. He's the most submissive person in his family, even though he's the most, like, physically imposing. Yeah. And with the hitchhiker, he's really, like, sadistic, but we don't know that yet. Because at the beginning of the movie, when he first gets in the van, he's just weird. Yeah. And I don't... At what point do you kick him out of the van? We'll, we'll say you're not the one driving, so, you know, driver stops and picks him up. How long are you going down the road with that guy in the car? Van's not even coming to a stop to pick him up. We're just going. We're just going. We're going. We're not picking up anybody. We're just going. <laughs> Who has no love for the hitchhiking community of the 1970s? Hey, this movie helped the police. I remember they said thank you because the the murder rate with like hitchhikers dropped by 18% after this movie. Because they're like, yeah, we're not going to be picking up anybody. We're not taking anybody nowhere. So 18% of lives were spared after... Seeing the hitchhiker in full effect. Because, I mean, God. he's already weird when he gets in the van. And then, you know, he cuts himself and then he lights the picture on fire. He fa- okay, that's another thing. He, like, takes Franklin's knife. Because Franklin's playing with, like, a little pocket knife, yeah. like, cleaning his fingernails and, like, picking at shit. Because he's in a wheelchair and he's just bored. Yeah. And the hitchhiker just snatches the knife out of his hand. He's like, oh, it is a good knife. And he slices open his fucking palm. And then he just hands it back to him. And they're like... What the? That's that's real cool, man. Yeah, that's that's real cool, Rick. Oh, jeez. And they don't like stop the car. Nope. I, okay. 
it only mildly makes sense because Jerry, since he's driving, he's paying attention to the road. Yeah, he's and looking forward. He's not, you know... He's not seeing what the fuck the hitchhiker's doing. He's listening, but it's kind of like, well, no one's screaming for their life yet, so I guess we're not gonna pull over. It's just, this dude's weird. Yeah, and... I... And Kirk's back there, so, you know, if he tries something, you know, Kirk could stop him. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, Kirk can stop him. Kirk is shitting his pants throughout this... En- That's the thing. Throughout this entire sequence... I I am just so unnerved by a lot of this movie and the hitchhiker sequence yeah. is one of those moments because I I've seen this movie, I don't know, a couple of times. I still feel like I have no idea what that guy's going to do. Oh at yeah. Any moment cuz he's he's kind of like moving his head around, he's looking at everybody. He's got this big old smile. He's he's telling them about, "Oh, we were the best killers at the at the at the butcher the, plant, at the, the slaughterhouse." House. You know, oh, you got to hit him with the hammer so, you know, they die good. Mm -hmm. The air gun don't work right. And the fact that he shows them the pictures of inside the slaughterhouse. And it's just like, why are you taking pictures of that? And I think what really have nerved me is that I own that same camera. Oh, really? Yeah, because I've seen the movie a a couple of times. And we went through the maze at Horror Nights last year. Mm -hmm. So, of course, you know, the hitchhiker, the actor at Horror Nights is dressed the same and i was looking you know when we walked past them and i'm like no that's my camera like maybe they got you know a different camera from the movie no we're watching the movie and i'm like oh no i actually own that camera i could see it on my shelf and i'm like i gotta get rid of that camera now because i'm gonna be thinking (laughs) oh my god the the hitchhiker like no i can't have it and and that's the thing he's selling these like crummy stills for like two bucks a pop that was hilarious i forgot about that he takes franklin's picture and he's like yeah it's a nice picture. That'll be two bucks. So I'm going to start doing that. Like, oh, Just taking take... people's pictures and be like, two dollars, two dollars. Mm-hmm. And be like, oh, this came out really nice. Two bucks, please. What? I accept Venmo. <laughs> PayPal? Jesus. Could you, could you imagine the hitchhiker is like, come on, I'll take pen pal. You can, you can pay me in weed. How about a couple fingers? I'll take fingers. No, that's okay. Yeah. but they. So he lights the Polaroid on fire because I guess, you know, well... If you don't want the Polaroid, then I guess I'll destroy it. So. Then nobody gets the Polaroid. And that's when he gets kicked out. And he gets kicked out and he's like doing the raspberry and he's dancing around like a jackass and he's smearing the blood that he's got on his hand. His yeah, own he, blood yeah, on the side of the van. He's marking the van so that he's able to tell later, hey, the same group of people. Because I noticed that at the very end of the film, mm-hmm. when the, the big rig pulls over to get uh, Sally. Yes, uh, Leatherface does the same thing. He marks the door with the chainsaw. And I'm like, okay, so, you know, any Big Rick could go by, same brand, same make, but I know that that is you that tried to help her, so I'm coming after you, just like he did with the van. Well, yeah. Well, I think how it how it's laid up, because right after this, they go to the gas station, right? And that's where um, uh, the, the cook is, the, the old man. And he's there... You mean the gas station with no gas? The gas station. Well, that's because it's... Um, that's because this is the 70s. You know about that, right? Yeah. Because back in like the 1970s, and similar to today, mm-hmm. there was a gas crisis and there's just places where, oh, you know, we can't deliver the gas to every gas station because we're on a shortage. And I remember my mom was telling me that back in the day, like my grandparents had to go every other day to get gas. You couldn't get gas every day because it was, you know, limited to per person. Mm-hmm. And that's something about this movie that's, weird because it's oddly political yeah because at the beginning of the movie 
there's like, yeah, the radio announcement talking about, hey, there's these people and they're digging up bodies, but it's also, they're talking about the Watergate scandal. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole thing going on where uh, Toby Hooper's talking about a lot of violence in like the media and how like things are very distrustful and you know the the slaughter industry and yeah. how that is like if we did that to humans you know that's like we're all animals you know it's yeah. just we're on a different part of the food chain you know th this movie made Guillermo del Toro vegetarian it did and I mean believe me I I was like, I can't see anything being hurt, destroyed. And I'm a big hypocrite because I love to eat meat. We literally went to barbecue before this. I mean, I think we had to. I mean, it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You gotta have some barbecue before that we is, talk about the that movie. That is the most fucked up thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Man, mm, they making some real good human meat over there. Wonder if I can get some some barbecue, get some baby back ribs. Mm, I wonder if that's real baby. Like, the fuck, man? I mean, you had pulled pork. I did, I did. You know, but that's besides I mean, the point. I mean, that brisket, chef's kiss. In, indeed, that brisket used to be uh, used to be a dancer. So, but, back to the movie. But, you know, yeah, I understand that there was a gas crisis, but I think that also plays into the family of cannibals, where it's like, oh yeah, we're out of gas, Um, I could refer you to a barbecue place down the road, you know, then you go home and tell, like, okay, I got, like, you know, a family of four, I'm going to try to lure them in. Because, you know, we see Sally take off and she goes back to the gas station later for salvation. And you think, oh, okay, someone's going to help or someone's going to save her. And it's like, nope, he's in on it too. It's a whole scheme. And it's like, of course they have gas. They have the generator going in the backyard when Kirk and and Pam first uh, show up to the house. Yeah. And, it, and and that's the thing. Like, it's a it seems like a really, like, rough shot operation, but... It's kind of similar to The Hills Have Eyes. Like, yeah. That's another thing. This movie, you can see the movies it's influenced mm -hmm. laid out. Where, oh, in The Hills Have Eyes, they, like, pop the tires on these people when they go down the... When the guy at the gas station mm -hmm. tells them, oh, there's a shortcut through the valley if yep. you take this dirt road. You know, it ain't on any maps because, you know, oh, the, the state built the highway the other way because it was cheaper. Yeah. You cut through this way, it'll be fine. And with this, it's kind of the same line. The guy, the, the hitchhiker, jumps into a car makes a scene, you mm -hmm. know, does the blood on to market. Mm -hmm. And that means like, oh, these people, they have to stop at a gas station. Yep. If for nothing else than to like, oh, maybe call the cops or like get mm -hmm. the blood off the side of their car. And the guy at the gas station's like, oh, hitchhiker got you. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Hey, we're out of gas, but I know that there's this like family barn out, out in the country somewhere. Mm -hmm. You go out there, they're real kind people just... Go over, probably after seven, that's when everybody's home. They'll fill you up right away. And then that's when probably, like, Hitchhiker or Leatherface is like, all right, time to, you know, treat the meats and everything. Yeah. It's a it's a really elegant little operation that's very inferred. None of this is ever explained. It's all just inferred by watching the film. Yeah. And, I mean, it's a creepy movie. It's... Fucked in the sense that, you know, you have this family that's just cool with doing this to people. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's weird because the, like, the old man doesn't seem cool with killing people. He seems okay with cooking them. Yeah. But he makes a point that he doesn't like killing them. He's like, we just, I just do it because it's necessary. Yeah. Whereas, like, the hitchhiker seems to have, like, this sadistic glee in doing it. And Leatherface, I don't, I don't even know if he really understands what he's doing. 
I think I think this is what it is because it's like the same in any slaughterhouse, right? How you treat meats. Yeah. Where you have somebody kill the animal, somebody butchers it, and then somebody you know cooks it or preps it. Yeah. And that's what we have here. You know, the hitchhiker kills them, Leatherface butchers them, and the cook prepares them. Mm-hmm. And it's. It's a really, it's just a commentary on the slaughter industry and how people treat animals. Yeah. And it is it is a sadistic portrayal. Yeah, it's horrible and it makes you feel guilty that, you know, we're doing this to animals so that we could eat creatively. Well, also, like, cheeseburgers are amazing. I know, food is so good. That's why. That's why it's like, you know, we're hypocrites. Because it's like, we don't want to hurt anything, but at the same time... We like to eat. Oh, yeah. But but in this movie, it's just, you know, it's horrific that you can't, you know, just go out to an old family home without being completely slaughtered by the neighbors. Did this movie... Okay. Did this movie mess you up when you would ever travel any place rural? Um, well... Did, did you never travel any place, like, where it's, like, kind... Like, any rural areas? No, I've traveled, traveled to rural areas. I mean, I never really thought of this movie mm-hmm. i think of more like the hills have eyes yeah you know being out there in the desert with nowhere i mean visiting texas i hadn't seen this movie at the time so mm-hmm. i never associated this movie and you know the state the, the great state of texas the great state of texas where some of my family lives but i mean i could vouch for it being incredibly hot yes just you know kind of nothing just you know miles of road with nothing on it but, yeah, I mean, the only time that this movie has ever scared me was at Horror Nights last year when we walked through the maze. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, having... Well, because you're just a scaredy cat at Horror Nights. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a big hypocrite. I love Halloween and spooky things, but I don't like being scared. It makes for the most awkward Halloween viewing experiences. I'm like, hey, boo, you want to watch, like, Halloween? Or you want to watch, like, you know... Uh, uh, Jeepers Creepers, or you want to watch like Nightmare on Elm Street? Do you want to watch like a scary movie? And you're like, can we watch like Hocus Pocus or like something not scary? What are you talking about? I love watching scary movies. Yeah, but you don't like being scared. And you know, as soon as I'm like, oh, but I'll be right back, and then I'm gonna come out with a chainsaw and try and spook you. If you did, you know, I'd throw hands with you. It doesn't matter if you have a chainsaw in your hand. I'm gonna throw hands with you. But totally. but going back to horror nights. You know, seeing him on the screen, it's like, yeah, that would be terrifying to, you know, come in contact with somebody that tall, waving a chainsaw at you. But then in Horror Nights, we encounter somebody that tall in the costume with a prop chainsaw, obviously, but still terrifying. I walked out of that maze, my hands were shaking because I was just so like, oh my god, that was actually terrifying. And I mean... Kudos to Universal, because, I mean, they really rebuilt the scenes that looked just like the interior of the house. Mm-hmm. I mean... Which is weird, because I don't... Universal didn't make this. No. This was, like... Okay. I, I guess it's weird to say who made this, because I, I half know the situation behind it. Because the guys... I don't. So, I, I wasn't sure if this was, like an independent film or if this was oh it was an indie film it, no studio made this okay because I, I was like i don't think you know i've ever heard it being attached to a certain studio no so what it was and okay we're gonna get into a really weird lineup here so texas Chainsaw massacre toby hooper produced it and, and he got the money 
through means that have yet to be figured out. Hmm. Um, the story goes, this is from a few different articles and sources. He goes to a Texas senator's office and they go in and they have a private meeting and he comes out with 60 grand to fund, help fund the movie. Huh. The proposed situation is that, hey, I'm a documentary filmmaker because he was a documentary yeah. filmmaker. I want to make a narrative film and I want to set it in Texas and I want to ask you for funding so I can maybe help create a, a little bit of a larger film influence out of, you know, the great state of Texas. Yeah. And, you know, the center's like, oh, absolutely. The other side of the coin that people think happened was, oh, this movie was used to launder a shit ton of money through the mafia, which is maybe more likely because this movie was uh, distributed by, I believe, the... It wasn't John Gotti. It was one of the other ones. I guess. I guess it really doesn't matter, but it was like a mafia front of a distribution company is the same people that made deep throat and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's what a lot of it happened. The distribution company was just using it to launder a bunch of money. And it's very weird because the mob helped release this. And they also really screwed over everybody who made the movie. Cause how it worked was anybody, everyone who worked on this movie did not get paid. Yeah. Uh, I think Gunnar Hansen is the only person who got paid up front. Um, Cause I think he was the only one they needed for the whole, or for like a lot of the movie. Yeah. And I think at the end of it, cause the movie re was made for between 80 and $140,000. Mm -hmm. So like a really low budget movie. A ten, like right now it's like, that's like a hundred, 800 grand. Yeah. And it releases and it gets like $30 million. And they're, distribution company and all those people say movie didn't make a dime it didn't it didn't uh beat its budget in the marketing and toby hooper's like i am the producer i put all the money into this mm -hmm. we definitely made our money back and the mafia guys were like all right here's your percentage and it was like it was 10 grand to split amongst 20 people hmm. and then the vort the company like goes out of business the production company and the distribution company goes out of business so, like, everyone in this movie gets, like, screwed, mm -hmm. and it's really weird. Like, the money this movie makes and how it was made is really fucky. Yeah. But what is more fucky is actually shooting the movie. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, this is Texas. Does it say what time of the year? August. It was it oh. was made in the heart, heart of summer. Like, they were not lying about the date. Yeah. It was made in August. It was the hottest summer on record at the point, and... Again, you can tell how hot this movie is because everyone is pouring with sweat throughout the entire yeah. film. And Even at night, doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. And you know the night shots were done and they just had blackout curtains and they were shooting in the middle of the day. Yeah. Which, I mean, people were getting sick. People were suffering from heat stroke. I it's, think they said they would have somebody pass out at least once a day for like... The entirety of shooting. Yeah. Somebody would pass out or somebody would have to, like, leave. And a lot of people just got sick. Yeah. Because, again, all the bodies you see are real. Yeah. Real. Yeah. So, I mean, it's <laughs> not the, the most ideal uh, work setting to be in. I mean, health-wise. Because, I mean, that's Well, this was the 70s. Yeah. They didn't know. 
they didn't know, but that's also violating a lot of, you know, health issues. I mean, not even, like, the animal stuff, just having people work in incredibly hot conditions. That's why you make this without a union. There wasn't a union for a hundred miles, boys. <sighs> We're making a moving picture. This, but, this was made like they used to make them back in the old Hollywood days, where they would fire live rounds at James Cagney and all those gangsta flicks. Yeah. It's a good thing they're not made the same way anymore. I mean, it depends on who you ask. But, yeah. back to the movie. So, they get to the gas station. The old man realizes, okay, I guess old hitchhiker gotcha. So, sends him over to, you know, oh, there's this, you know house or whatever if you find it they should have gas but they decide we're just gonna go to granddad's house we're just gonna look around look this abandoned around. house yeah we're, we'll spend the night and then we'll just go back to the gas station tomorrow when they mm -hmm. get the shipment in of gas and they go to you know the granddad's house and yeah it is an abandoned trash heap did that house was that house ever livable like watching I mean, the movie? Maybe uh, decades and decades earlier, but in this movie, it looked like it'd been pretty trashed for, I don't know, 20, 30 years? Yeah, because I think Sally mentions, oh, last time I was here, I was only eight years old. And I'm like, you're maybe 21, 22? Like, so that's, that's a lot of damage to have happened in between eight and 20s. Yeah, so it's like, in the course of like 10, 12 years, that, like, what, did a bunch of squatters come in and, like, decide to, let's just burn this place up, you know, smash it up real good. The crick disappeared. Yeah. Or the swimming hole. Yeah, that's another thing. They, they go to the swimming hole, and in any other movie, this is where you would have tits, right? You would think so. Like, Pam and Kirk, they're all, like, kind, kind of flirty, and you're like, oh, they're the couple, and they're like, hey, we're gonna go down to that old swimming hole, and in... Like, Friday the 13th, mm -hmm. Halloween, mm -hmm. Nightmare on Elm Street, mm -hmm. literally every other slasher movie, mm -hmm. this would be the signal to the audience that boobs are a coming. And they get oh, no, I, that was even my signal. It was, oh, they're going to go fool around, dead. But they don't. Well, I mean, they get dead, but they don't get to fool around first. They're like, oh, there's no crick. But I hear a generator. Well, let's go to the place that has gas for said generator. And Kirk's the first one that gets got. Yeah, but but that's a, that's something I wanted to point out. The movie is a is a slasher film. It is yeah. a prototypical. It is probably one of the first. It is one of the first sl true blue slasher films. This After comes, Psycho. Well, yeah, Psycho comes out in what nineteen sixty, and this 60 comes sixty something. Yeah, this comes out in nineteen seventy four. But thing is, Psycho. Oh, that's a, a, a prototypical slasher. That's a proto slasher. It lines up like, yeah, we have this guy, he has a body count over this, and he's spooky. But Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I can see this and draw direct parallels to Halloween, Friday 13th, Hills Have Eyes. But this doesn't follow the same, like, moralistic lines as those other movies. Yeah. Even in Psycho, the people who die, like Marion Crane, she dies, but she's like an adulteress. And mm -hmm. she's, you know, fooling around with a married man. Like, there's always that cardinal sin. Yeah. You know, in Halloween, everybody who dies was, like, fooling around premarital sex or yeah. drinking and doing drugs. Friday the 13th, that's the entirety of the body count in those movies. Nightmare on Elm Street, the entirety of the body count of those movies. So, fun fact about Psycho in this movie, because in the beginning of the movie, you say with the, 
when they're talking in the beginning, the the warning. Oh, the uh, the the text scroll. I, I want to say like John the, I want to say like the PSA that you get before. <laughs> I, I can't the, think of the, the phrase. The based on the true story. Yeah, I mean, it's not based on you know an actual you know uh, chainsaw wielding person. It's actually based on the serial killer from Psycho. Yeah, not Norman Bates. Ed Gein. Ed Gein. Or Gein. Gein or Gain. Gein. I, I think it is it Gein. I think it's it, it's. E-I-N, so it might be Gein. But, yeah, it's based on that killer that Psycho's based on as well. So it's kind of interesting to see, well, no, it's not some, you know, crazy guy with a chainsaw. It's another serial killer. But in two very different worlds. Yeah, like, Psycho, Norman Bates, that's a little bit... That's probably a little bit closer to the Ed Gein story. But with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it's like... It's taking points from him being, like, a grave robber and him making stuff out of the body parts. Yeah. But then you also have the other parts, because he's an amalgamation of some other, like, really violence going on in the 70s, because there was a lot of serial killers going on. Oh, my God. We were talking about that coming home from Midsummer Scream, uh, about... Serial killers, conspiracy theories, you know, because you get in the mood after you see a bunch of horror, horror stuff. Yeah, but it was just, like, this explosion that happened with serial killers here in California. Yeah. I mean, we were trying to list off as many names that we could think of, and I mean, there were probably way more that we forgot or, you know, hadn't even heard of, and it was just like, how did this happen in this one chunk of time? Well, it's the it was the zeitgeist, and that's what Texas Chainsaw Massacre really narrows in on, because when Toby Hooper was writing the film... Um, he was writing it, one, high on many drugs at the time. Yeah. Uh, but he was writing it while he was watching the news and famously after he, um, was at a department store in a long line and Mm -hmm. he saw a chainsaw and he's like, I can get to the front of the line real fast with that chainsaw. Then he just like, oh, I can make, I can make a movie about that. Something scary. But he's doing this as he's watching the news, like Watergate's going on. Yeah. He's seeing like footage from like Vietnam, like the end stages of Vietnam Mm -hmm. going on. And back then... There was, like, no censorship. You could literally... It was, like, live link, but that was the news. You turn on the news, you would see people, like, getting shot and killed and murdered. Like, you would see people getting kept, like, on fire, people getting, like, rides in the streets. You would see that just on TV. Oh, yeah. Not like now where, you know, if we see a pursuit or anything where the car might crash, they cut away really quick so you don't see anything. And it's just, like, you know, we come from... You know, like you were saying, where they would just show everything. They wouldn't censor it. They wouldn't block it out. And I thought I saw somewhere that this movie was rated PG before the system, you know, kind of... No, no. So we, that, here's what, what was going on. Um, But, okay. So when Toby Hooper was making the film, mm-hmm. he was under the impression that, okay, I just won't put a lot of blood or gore. Yeah. And I won't put tits in the movie. Then I can get a PG, because traditionally, that's, you know, back in 1974, that was like the baseline, you know? I just put very little, like, graphic stuff, I get a PG rating. And that was something that I did notice, that this movie isn't very blood-heavy. No, there's... It's a lot like Psycho, where you only get just a little taste of it. And the other thing is, you never see impact. No. You never see the chainsaw actually touch somebody. We have a lot of cutaways. Yeah, you never see Leatherface strike a hammer and actually... Hit, hit, hit anyone yeah. and but it's all suggestive you never mm-hmm. see the hook go into pam's back but you can feel it yeah i can't watch that scene without kind of like arching my back yeah, a little you bit twinge. it's just a little bit 
so Toby Hooper takes it to the MPAA and he's like, Hey guys, I got this movie called the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It'll be PG, wide release, we'll show it in drive-ins. It'll be great, guys. Yeah. Woo. Then the MPAA watch and they're like, This is horrifying. <laughs> this is this is an abomination of God. This is an X-rated film. This should be this should be smut. We should ban it from the country. And he's like, But there's no blood. There's like no gore. You're like, you don't see anything. It's like, all your imagination that's, you know, piecing it together. And then the MPA is like, there's a bitch on a hook in here. What do you mean? And then and he is like, oh, I can't really argue with that one. There is a lady strung up on a meat hook. I think that part and uh, the part where Kirk gets hit in the head the first time are the most disturbing scenes for me. When he's oh. just twitching on the ground. Well, yeah, because some people didn't get that, like... Well, why is he, like, flailing on the ground? But, like, that's something that happens to animals. Yeah. When you strike him in the head, a piece mm -hmm. of bone gets into, like, the nervous center mm -hmm. of the brain. And it starts making their body seize up. Yeah. Um, and it's really, really bad. Oh, yeah. And Pam, when she's discovered in the freezer and she kind of just pops up and she's also twitching, it's just like, oh, my God. I mean. The most, <laughs> uh, the most disturbing part of the movie is the dinner. That, too. Yeah, that's uh, pretty. Is... Oh, God. <laughs> I I gotta I gotta say there's a lot of moments in the movie that are like just kind of disturbing even though it's so like it's obviously a narrative film and there's like it's very obviously just a movie but you're watching some of it and you're like this is is this a snuff film or like is that how how far did they go before they they called cut I mean that dinner scene was in the maze at Universal and I tried not to look at the table too much because I'm like, I don't want to see anything gross. Even though they pipe through the smell of like... It's like a like some old like barbecue or something weird. Yeah, it was just like, I was like, okay, I'm like, don't focus on that. Like, I already know what's on the table. And then what was more fucked up was once we got towards the exit, they were popping in like regular barbecue smell. So it was just like, it went from like, ew, gross to... Oh, that kind of smells good. Like, what is Jesus this? Christ. And I was like, what is we, happening we here? We just ate. We just ate. <laughs> we so, did. So that, but that's the thing. The, um, the movie has these moments that are like really off-putting, but like, as you're saying, cause that happens like right after they go to the swimming hole and we think there's going to be tits is, you know, Pam and Kirk, they get got like right away. And that was something that kind of surprised me. The movie moves very fast. Yeah. The movie is only... It's a day. It's 83 minutes long. It's 83 minutes, but it's over the course of 24 hours. And yep. I don't even think it's 24 hours completely because we don't know what time of day they stop at the if, cemetery. If, you, if I had to make a, a college guess, it's like from 1 o'clock to like 7 a.m., 8 a.m. the next day. Like, that's what it is. Yeah, because, I mean, it's been a while since I watched this, and it felt like the movie just flew by. Yeah. The movie is super well edited. It's a well-crafted film. It's just really messed up. Yeah, very messed up and very good pace. Oh, yeah, it's it does not slow down. It doesn't lull. It's just action nonstop. The, but, yeah, and they get got, and right after that, that's when they just start picking him off. Because right after that, then... Steve. Oh, Steve. Steve? I think his name's Steve. His name's not Steve. It's uh, Jerry. The, no one's named Steve in this movie. I thought there was a Steve in the movie. He looked like a Steve. So he did. Jerry, he goes to go find those two because he's like, oh, they're probably fooling around somewhere by the creek. And he goes, he gets killed. Fun well, fact about that moment, because I'm going to cut you off because I know the trivia you're going to throw up. Okay. So 
when Kirk walks in and he's in the in the kill room, right, or in yeah. the butcher shop, and Leatherface bursts out. Gunnar Hansen comes out with the, you know, with the 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 giant mallet, and he's like, Murr! yeah. When Jerry or Alan Danzinger, the actor, sees him for the first time, or Steve, or Steve, he sees Gunnar Hansen come out, and it's the first time he sees him, and he just bolts. I would too. Yeah. Like, like no joke. The actor was like, oh no, fuck this. And turns and leaves. He thought he was in a snuff film for, for that take. Like unironically. I mean, I actually wasn't going to save that, that piece of trivia. I was actually going to say, it's a good piece, but I was going to say that he actually saved Sally's life because she wanted to go with him to go look for Kirk and Pam. And he's like, no, you stay at the van with your brother. And it's just also, I don't think he wanted to take Franklin along. Yeah, is which, Franklin a, a dick in this movie? I thought Franklin was funny. Because he was the most aware. Because he was like, you guys, he marked the van. Does that mean he's following us? Franklin, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. I gave him your full name, your address, your zip code. He's going to come find you at home. But it's like, Franklin, he's just spitting straight facts. You know, you guys, we should get out of so here. he's so obnoxious about it. He is, but he was on the right track. He yeah. was like... Come on, guys, let's get out of the haunted house. No, no, it's good. But that's that's the rule, not only in movies, but in life. Mm-hmm. You can be right all you want, but if you're a cunt about it, there you go. I don't no think, one's gonna listen. I don't think it was that far. He was a little annoying. He was a little douchey. A little bit. A little, a, a, a splash of douche. A, a, li- a little bit of a little bit of douche. Uh, Maybe some vagisil. A little too far. A little too far? A little too far. I guess, I guess. But, Jerry gets got. Then, Sally and Franklin are like, are we staying or are we going? Well, Franklin wants to get the hell out of there. And Sally's like, no, we gotta find Jerry and our friends. And Franklin's basically like, they're got, they're done, let's get out of here. (laughs) Franklin's like, there ain't a lot of slasher movies, but I've seen the ones that have been made so far. We gotta get the hell up on out of here. And then he's like, oh, they took the keys. Oh, the keys are gone. We're dead. I'm in a wheelchair and I'm fat. I've already got the short straw in life. Why, God? That's Franklin, by the way. And then Sally's like... A tad offensive. He's a caricature. And then Sally's like, okay, we'll go and find them. And then she starts pushing Franklin through the through the woods, through the, the, the brush. And this is so, like, like not okay. Because, you know... First of all, yeah, I'm, I'm making fun of Franklin because he's, like, obnoxious or whatever. But, like, the reality of the situation is Sally's brother is in a wheelchair and he is uh, defenseless. He's defenseless and she's also, you know, like a twig. So yeah. it's like, how are you going to defend you and your brother when all you guys have is a flashlight? Yeah. And Franklin's, like, pulling the flashlight around. He's like, I, I think I hear something. I think I hear something. Oh, man. Where where is it? What's going on? Oh, I think. Oh, wait, there's a house over there. I think there's a lot of Maybe somebody's there. Maybe they can help us. And then, is that a chainsaw? And then Leatherface pops out. And this is the kill the movie that is just... So gruesome. And you you see a bit of, like, spray blood. Yeah. And that's it. You don't see, you know, Franklin getting cut up or whatever. But you, you hear Sal break down. She is freaking the fuck out. I mean, Marilyn Burns screams so much in the end of this movie. Because, okay, Franklin dies at, like, what, the 45-minute mark? 
yeah, that that sounds about right. And then she is screaming for the last, the rest of, the movie. The rest of this in, yeah. entire movie. The next forty minutes is just Marilyn. We don't don't need to memorize lines, but but have some tea. You're we need be you to be a lot. We need you to be terrified the rest of the film. Yeah, don't and, say anything. Just scream. And she was like, unironically, I saw an interview with Marilyn Burns, and she said that making the movie, she really didn't have to act for like the last half hour of like the runtime of the film because she was just so like emotionally and physically broken down yeah. from like the making of this because they run through the 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 brush right mm -hmm. and that's when Gunnar Hansen almost kills himself yeah and then they get to the house right they manage to finally catch her and they're gonna have the dinner and they have the dinner scene. And oh my god, this dinner scene is so fucked up. And she's just screaming. Okay, she before, just wants to live. Before we get to the dinner scene, what's fucked up is when the, the guy that owns the gas station... The is, old man, the cook. The old man, yeah, is beating her with the broom. <laughs> also, I like how Sally is like, oh, you're gonna try and tie me up and take me there? And she pulls a knife like a bad bitch. And yeah. this guy is like, <laughs> a knife? A measly three-foot butcher knife? I have a broom, darling. This broom's a lethal weapon. And I'm a master. Ha and he knocks it out of her hand, like, right away. Is is the old man, like, a like secretly a monk, and his weapon of choice is a broom? I mean, don't ask me why, but I've been hit in the head with the broom before. With, like, the handle of the broom. It hurts. I mean, it left me a little dazed when it happened, so I could see why, you know, he probably disarmed her with it, but I'm like, a fucking broom... Really? And then he flips it over and he hits her with, like, the straw part. And she's just like, please, make it stop. And I'm just like, what is going on here with it, the broom? In her defense, she's probably ran, like, five, like three, four miles. And fallen out of a two-story window. Yeah, that that's right, because um, she gets to the house and she finds out that it's Leatherface's house. And she jumps out the window. She crashes. And then she has to run another, like, five miles to the gas station. Because she runs from where Franklin is killed in yes. the woods to the house, upstairs, back downstairs, back upstairs, falls out a window, runs back through the field, falls down, makes it to the gas station. So, yeah, I can see where she'd be winning and be like... I can't fight off this old dude with a broom, but it was just like, a broom? Yes, the broom, the most dangerous of weapons. I use it a broom to defend my home against intruders. Those rapscallions coming to steal my Texas Chainsaw Massacre collection. I knew it. But they have the dinner sequence, and it is so goddamn disturbing. Oh, it yeah. is like dinner with the Dahmers. It is, it is like so ungodly uncomfortable. Yeah. Because the hitchhiker's just smiling, and he's having a grand old time, and he's like, oh, we gonna eat tonight, girl? Mm -hmm. Oh, shit. You know, this right here, this used to be your brother, but my brother, he made great brothers. Mm-mm-mm. Delicious. Finger looking good. And the cook's over there's like, ah, oh, I'll make some of the best chili. Mm -hmm. You know what I made it out of? Your friend. Your friends mm -hmm. are delicious. And Leatherface is like, darling, would you like yourself a nice cup of tea? Because Leatherface has the girl mask on. He's got his, like, Sunday best on for dinner. Yeah, I, I like that. he's, like, he, having so much fun. I like that he has his outfit change, and, you know, he's very formal for dinner. Yes. Which, again, is great. And then you also have the granddad in there, and he's just in the fucking wheelchair. And you, you can tell the actor who is wearing the prosthetics is dying in front of your eyes. Yes, because it is just up 120 degrees. This is the 36-hour shoot, and... There's who knows how many lights in that room to light that set. Uh, and here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. The 
lighting going on in the movie, because up to this point, it's just naturalistic. Yeah. Because they're using all natural light and they're filming outside for, for most of it. And that's because they were shooting on 16 millimeter footage and they had to be blown up to 35 and they needed to use the fastest film they could. Yeah. And what that meant is that it will expose a lot of really like dark images so you can like see them. So you mm-hmm. can f- imagine like I'm filming a movie in my bedroom, but it's too dark in my bedroom. I use a faster film and then it makes it look like normal. Yeah. And that's what they used. So it has this really high grain and that same film stock is what they use in documentary stuff. So when they're filming inside the, the um, dining room though, that's one of the few times they had to use real like film lights and I, and you've been around film lights. Oh yeah. They're hot as balls. Very. They each one of them is like a hundred plus degrees they're in a, a actual house, so it's not mm-hmm. like insulated. It's not a set. It's not a set. No, it's a real house. With... Outside's one hundred and ten. Mm-hmm. Inside's probably a hundred twenty plus. The like leather, like Gunnar Hansen is wearing a wool suit plus this fucking like leather mask. The actor John Duggan, who's playing the the grandfather, he's wearing this rubber concoction all over his face and mm-hmm. hands and a wool suit. And everyone in there is sweating bullets. It smells like fucking death because it's all rotting meat and old bones. And they're like, they, and the actor John Duggan says, I will not put on this prosthetic one more time. No. It took me five hours to put it on. It's, it feels like death. It smells like death. I will do this once, Toby. All right. You, we can shoot as long as you want, but I'm only putting this on once. And Toby Hooper took that as like, well, we'll only film this, this, see this, your stuff through one time, 36 hours later, you got it. And I think it works with the sequence because everybody looks fucking crazy. Oh yeah. And that was something that I had read that because of the heat and everything, you know, it being like 36 hours, people were losing it. I forget what the phrase is called where because you're so exposed to this heat, they were starting to believe that they were their characters. And <laughs> I though so on that, you know the part in the in the film where they they cut Marilyn Burns' finger to like feed the grandfather yeah. the blood because you know cannibals. Yeah. And they had to get you know Gunnar Hansen was going to do it, and the little prop thing they were doing like wasn't working right. You know this, you know. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So they had a little prop knife, mm-hmm. and they would cut her finger with it. And then they would stick it up against, you know, uh, John Duggan's face and he would like suck the blood, right? Yeah. Now, the little prop thing just wasn't working. It couldn't look good on camera because mm. it's a really like cheap, one, it's a cheap prop knife. Yeah. And the tube is like super obvious and Gunnar Hansen is there and they're setting up the, the shot again. This is probably like take like 15. Yeah. And Gunnar Hansen is sitting there over in the corner because no one wants to talk to him. He smells like ass because he's worn the same costume. Mm-hmm for three weeks and he is going cabin fever and he's like getting into this shot and he takes the tape off the like prop knife takes a little blood tube off the knife and when they yell action he legit just slices Marilyn Burns hand open Mm -hmm. and puts her hand against John Duggan's face the grandfather's face and he's a real blood that is real blood going on here and they were like cut we got the shot and Gunnar Hansen is like thank Christ Thank, thank God Almighty, I couldn't have done that again. 
And Marilyn Burns is like, you fucking cut me, what the hell? Yeah, you you cut my finger open. I'm bleeding all over the place, and it's just like, it's a fucked situation, because it's just too much for a person to be able to endure all of that. Yeah, I, I, and also, I'm not sure if he talked to Marilyn Burns beforehand that he was going to do it, and they both agreed to it. Because I'm under the assumption, if they're in our... 15 or 16 she might be like if we can get through this and you just have to slice my hand my finger open fuck it do it yeah i i don't think he would just go and cut it with without her consent yeah that that seems a little messed up but then again you're in honey we're we're an hour 25 it is so hot i think i've literally lost 40 pounds just from sweat and i and i think that satan is talking to me we got to get out of here one way or the other, baby. Yeah, that's that's when the pocket knife comes out. But that's like, that was this whole shoot. Was these people like, I don't care what we have to do. We have to get through this. Again, the heat alone is like god awful. Yeah. When they're filming in the van. Because the van's actually moving. You can see through oh, the yeah. windows, even though it's blown out. They're actually driving inside this van. So there's probably eight nine people in this little panel van it's a hundred something degrees outside and they have to film all this and because it's the 70s there's no ac no and this this thing is probably god awful to be in and that and they have this whole sequence with the hitchhiker and they have this whole sequence with the other side with the teen with the kids and it's oh god this movie sounds like hell to make hell to make absolutely but But i mean you know the dinner you have the dinner and then you have the whole movie in itself a masterpiece. It really is. Because the movie is fucking scary. Yeah. Like, I don't get scared easily. And and I'm not saying it's like, oh, I'm hiding under my blankets because I'm afraid Leatherface is going to pop out. But I'm, like, I'm watching the movie and I feel uncomfortable yeah. throughout the whole thing. Like, The Omen had that kind of creepy feeling where, you know, I'm watching it and I'm just like, Eh, something doesn't feel right. I'm not, like, scared, but it's like, eh, the movie just feels weird. Also, this movie feels weird, and I'm, like, actively, like, shifting in my seat, trying to, like, ah, it feels like that, that hook might have might mm-hmm. nicked something. I don't, I don't know about this. And you make fun of me for feeling stuff like that when I'm watching movies or TV. You said you stopped breathing during 2001. Well, yeah, that, that's a whole other story. But it's weird. We were just, you know, coming off of our 70s blockbusters, and this is older than Jaws. This is older than The Omen, Amityville Horror. Yeah. And it's just like, this is a real trailblazer. And there really isn't anything that could touch this movie. I mean, there's been the remake uh, in the early 2000s, which was kind of like, yeah, this isn't scary at all. I, uh, I got a little bit of love for the 03 remake, the Platinum Dunes one. Yeah. I got a little bit of love with it. but The, the one that came out this year... I refuse to watch it. Oh, the Netflix one? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to watch that one, but I'm, I'm, I'm saving it for, for one of those days where I really need a bad piece of movie to, to relax with. I mean, yeah, I'm like you where this movie doesn't scare me at all. It's unnerving. It's it's, it's, it's like watching those, um, those like Faces of Death uh, um, YouTube videos where it's like, oh, the most fucked up things that have ever been on the news. Mm-hmm. or 10 instances of people, you know, dying or some shit. It's one of those things where it's like, okay, this is, like, not, like, not safe for life kind of shit. Yeah. That's, like, how this movie kind of feels. This just doesn't feel like a like a wholesome viewing experience. 
it feels kind of kind of messed up. Yeah, but you know, when we were in the maze, I was like, okay, I'm legit scared, and I could put myself as one of the, these characters in the movie where it's like, okay, you're encountering somebody that big with a chainsaw that's going to come at you and potentially eat you. This is horrifying. I want to just get out of here. I want to run. All right, but I gotta, I gotta say this. Everyone's afraid of a six foot six person with a chainsaw coming at them. Oh, you look pretty cool. Because you mean, kept whispering, you know. you're like, "Hey, boo! After this, you want to go over to the Texas Chainsaw Barbecue place that they have over there?" Well, you know, I'm a man about it. It's fine. Which but was yeah. really good. So after the dinner, Sally manages to get loose. And this is when we're in the, the end goal, right? This is the end of the movie. Yeah. She runs down the longest driveway in Texas history with the hitchhiker prancing around like a jackass, slashing her back with a razor, and then the, Leatherface... Another iconic scene with him running down the driveway with the chainsaw. Yeah, it's literally the cover of my, my Blu-ray. It's also the shirt that you picked up from uh, <laughs> Midsummer Screen. Exactly. And then he's running down there, and Sally manages to like break away just enough... For a 18-wheeler to run over the hitchhiker. Yeah. And it's... That's disturbing when he runs over him. Because he's just mangled. Yeah. And it's like a good effect. Yeah. It's not cheesy. Like, oh, okay, that's... They just, like, threw the dummy under the tires. It's like, no. He looks like he got run over. And that truck gets real close to to Edwin Neal, the actor. Before it it cuts to, you know, the dummy rolling under Mm -hmm. the, the truck. It's It's a really well cut cut moment yeah and then the truck driver gets out and he's like oh shit i hurt i i killed somebody and then he sees sally covered in her own blood screaming and screaming and then this guy with the chainsaw comes out and he's like oh no fuck that and he jumps in and he grabs sally throws her in and you're like this truck driver fucking hero yeah and then leatherface starts chainsawing in and he's like oh fuck this they run out the other side of the truck and this truck driver again hero grabs a wrench then fucking they're running Leatherface coming at him and this guy turns around and nails him in the head yep. like he's Gordon Freeman and then you know he keeps running because he's he's a smart truck driver always keep running and then Sally you know jumps into a into a another pickup. pickup truck because this is the another busy roadway next to a cannibal's house and Leatherface almost gets her but oh they make it out and she's driving off into the sun t- sunrise and the Leatherface does the dance oh yes he does you know that dance was improv improvised by gunner hansen i do yes you know want to know uh one thing gunner hansen remembers from that dance he couldn't see absolutely anything through the mask yeah because his peripheral vision is completely gone he can just see straight in front of him and he's spinning this chainsaw around because he's a really big guy and this chainsaw though it's really heavy he can like wield it and move it around and swing it like pretty pretty normal um, he remembers swinging it and he sees that Toby Hooper is like ducking when he, oh, when he runs, when he swings it to his right, he, he realizes he's like, Oh, there's Toby. Oh shit. He just ducked. I almost, I almost decapitated him with this mm. live chainsaw. And Sally is like the last shot we see is Sally. And she has the, the face of mm-hmm. PTSD on her, on her. And she is like laughing and screaming mm-hmm. and, black yeah that's it yeah this movie good movie great movie this is a great movie yeah i agree if you are a horror fan i would i would recommend this is the canon yeah this is in that um mount rushmore 
of horror of, of slashers of, of horror of slashers like this is this is one of the greatest horror films ever made this is also something i would not recommend to the faint of heart have a good constitution going in because there's yeah. some stuff that will probably not feel so good yeah but uh yeah great movie highly recommend same uh i think if you're trying to get into horror this should definitely be on the list of films to watch yeah yeah i, I mean, would say that this is probably a a good jumping on point if you're getting into classic slasher stuff especially since it's not attached to a studio so you kind of get to see what studios are capable and what independent filmmakers are capable of and how it's still so beloved by so many horror fans cinema fans it's just a great film overall and i would say that honestly i'm looking forward to going through the franchise because i haven't seen the texas chainsaw massacres to Leatherface, Next Generation, in many, many years. I haven't seen them at all. Oh, really? I've only seen the original film a handful of times and the remake from the early 2000s, and that's it. I kind of felt like, um, kind of like with the Halloween franchise, some of them I didn't need to see because Halloween is so iconic, and that's how I felt like this movie. I'm like, can we really get sequels that can match up to the original film okay well for one halloween no other the halloween movie matches up to the original no like, i mean we're close of... with 2018 ah i don't even know uh it's like top three but thing is top it's three. like <sighs> but that's how i felt it's with this one cause... where it was just like the first one is so good that it's like i don't want to see it kind of just like spiral out of control well, okay, I think you're going to enjoy the... Second one, right? The second one, because that's what we're talking about next week, everybody. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Um, you're, might, you're probably going to enjoy the one because it's a lot more of a black comedy. It's a little bit more um, ridiculous. I mean, let alone is, the poster is ugh. The Breakfast Club. Yeah, my copy's not the, not the Breakfast Club uh, mm. poster, but it is... It's it it is lovely. I I can't wait to watch it. I haven't seen it in years, but I'm I'm excited. And I'm excited to see it for the very first time. But if people wanted to see that, where can they go? Well, if you want to listen to us on a different platform than you currently are, you can find us on Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and eventually this episode will reach YouTube. Yes, you can go to our YouTube channel, The Film Vault. That's The Film Vault on YouTube. And yes, we're going to be uploading a video version of this. It won't feature us, it'll feature, you know, stills, but you can watch it on YouTube. And that should be coming rather soon. I'm catching up on all of our uploading schedules. And if you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at the Film Club Podcast, where we post upcoming episodes we're going to be doing, trivia, events like Midsummer Scream. Uh, we're coming up on our, you know, horror season, so we'll be going to Halloween Horror Nights, Not Scary Farm, so give us a follow. And with that, Miss Boo. We'll see you next week at the Film Club. Have a good week, everybody.